episode of Nintendo Power Block is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support Nintendo Power Block and the Boss Rush Network, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash network and see which tier is right for you. Thanks for your continued support. Welcome to Nintendo Power Black here on Bosch Rush Games. I'm your host, and I'm excited to be joining us. The one, the only bossman himself, Mr. Corey Derrick. Hello, good sir. Hello, everybody. It is uh, it's good to be here. <laughs> on this. I don't know. We're recording sometime in mid-January. Uh, Ed, this is weird uh, because very clearly, um, well, not clearly, I guess, in the audience, but a little uh, behind the scenes, I guess. We're recording a few episodes in advance because I will be on vacation and uh, we need an episode to release that week that I'm on vacation and an episode to release the week after. <laughs> so this is kind of what we're doing. Uh, yeah. It's kind of a mini block. <laughs> you and these mini blocks, man. I love saying it like that. You, you're the only one that likes the term mini block. <laughs> I do. <laughs> There's no such thing. There hasn't been a thing in like five years. Well, we have well, our our mini blocks normally go on for like an hour or two, but it's just like some they of the don't things, exist. You're the only one that they thinks do they exist. exist. <laughs> I guess I do call them mini blocks, and even though they still follow fall under the like it's a podcast episode for Pop Block, but I'm just like a lot of the fat is cut off, or we do something completely different. So you know, we break the format in mini blocks. <laughs> it's just fun to say I can't help it oh man and then I, I say it's kind of like a mini block I didn't say it was one we need a better name for that we need uh, a warp zone or something I like mini block mini block <laughs> you try saying it that way I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I'm saying this is episode 377-ish. Somewhere in there. <laughs> uh, well, but, um, yeah, these. this is going to be a little um, not. This is not going to be covering anything recent, we'll say. Uh, yes. And if there is a Nintendo Direct sometime this week or in the next week or so, um, I have taken my laptop and a microphone on vacation with me and, um, we will record, we will figure out how to record something in that environment. Uh, my internet will be garbage because it's (laughs) Disney internet. Uh, but we will make it happen. We will figure it out. Yes. So, uh, well, uh, Corey, I don't know if I ever told you this, uh, so our my uh not work schedule but our business hours at my job is changing February twenty second. Oh great. Uh, so we so there was a meeting about it and we found out that there are some stores who pharmacy is gonna be like straight closed on the Sunday. Um and other stores they got their store business hours like cut down we, I, you know, I don't know which stores and stuff but ours got extended so Monday through Friday will be open from 7am to 11pm and then Saturdays and Sundays will be open up from 7am to 10pm and the reason why that is changing uh, Saturdays we normally open from 8 to 10 but now we're going to be opening uh, early um, during the weekend and closing later on the weekday. Great. Uh, and I'm I'm assuming that they think that we're still going to make business for a whole hour. So I'm like, you know, this is going to be terrible during the summertime because all those kids who don't have nothing to do with school and stuff going to be coming into our store playing around during the week during the weekday. I'm like, so now for a lot of us, we probably won't get home till almost close to midnight. 
and everything. And it's just like, this is about to be a complete mess. Great. I was just like, oh, wonderful. Great. Like, I was, I, I, I was telling my uh, store manager, I was just like, why couldn't we just be from nine to nine? Like, during the pandemic, that was our store hours, and we made tons of money. I don't know, man. It's, uh, yeah. it's a weird world out there, to be honest. It truly is. So, Corey, uh, you want to jump into it? I, I got something for you, and I kind of want to... Well, we should do the housekeeping uh, from the dock first. Dang, that is true. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, everybody. Uh, let's get into some housekeeping. Um, PAX East 2024. Um, Nintendo Power Block and the Boss Rush Network are headed to PAX East. You will be able to find us roaming the show floor, so if you're there, come say hi. We will be covering the event as part of the media, demoing games, conducting interviews, and recording a podcast or two live from the event. So make sure you keep your eyes on BossRush.net and our YouTube channel for that. PAX East is taking place in Boston, March 20. 21st to the 24th. So get your badges now. Come say hi. Uh, we also have our Patreon, our website, and YouTube plugs. If you want to support Nintendo Power Block and the Boss Rush Network, you can head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash boss rush network where you can get our supplemental show expansion pass two weeks early and ad free and other perks like early access to other podcasts, voting rights, and more at the tier that's right for you. Again, that's patreon.com slash boss rush network. Good job, so, Ed. Yes. So um I hit up Nintendo Life uh today looking at their website, you know, catching some Sunday news. And they have a mailbag kind of thing. And I thought I'm like, well, I wonder. I've never taken questions from a website that people send in and try to put our opinion or how we would answer this. So I thought maybe it'd be cool if I take some of their questions and present it to you or it may, it may cause a discussion and uh, see where we, we would get with that. Uh, how does that sound, Corey? Sure. Why not? Okay. Is this your fancy way of saying that you didn't ask for questions this week? Um, were we supposed to ask for questions this week? Uh, supposed to ask for questions every week. <laughs> well, uh, well, at the time of this recording, everybody, um, we have a very special guest that has uh come on the show, um, Andre yes, Wilson. Three weeks ago. Uh, yes, he is. He joined us for a great discussion. Just a phenomenal person. Yes, and that so, discussion was wonderful. I am sh- I, it was great. I remember none of it. <laughs> it's because it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Corey, it did happen. Well, we for the about- listeners it happened. For me, it did not. It did. <laughs> We're because recording we t- in two days. We, we, we talked about Amiibos. What? Yes. Remember okay. we talked we were talking about the amiibos uh, from Xenoblade Chronicles. I'm lost. I don't remember anything. I'll talk to you later about it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, let's get into the first question. Um, this is by Diamond Core, and they ask: With the overall bland diversity in genres and genre mixes at this year's Game Awards, I've been thinking about how some genres have the potential to be mixed together well that rarely get explored, like rhythm and side scroller. So I'm curious: What are some under uh, underutilized genre mixes you think will work really well together? Genre mixes that would work yes. well together. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. I feel like a lot of them have been used at some point. Maybe not necessarily by Nintendo, but I mean, you had like a lot of rhythm stuff been, being mixed in with other games, right? Like mm-hmm. Hi-Fi Rush did a really great job of mixing action adventure with rhythm. And, you know, rhythm also was put into Cadence of Hyrule, which was a great action kind of adventure rhythm game. Um. Man, I don't know. Uh, I, I, 
would. Well, I mean, I I mean, I can think of I can think of games that are in one genre and would fit another genre really well. mm -hmm. But I don't know about genre mixing because a lot of genres just mix already. You know, I mean. I mean, a lot a lot of games incorporate RPG elements already, like a lot of genres Mm -hmm. just use RPG elements now because it's more engaging to the player. Um. Gears Five had like a open worldish kind of feel to it, um, and like, and like the, the two areas in that game, uh, even though it still was a third person shooter, in a sense, um, you know, Nintendo, um, like Mario, he's been in a lot of genres. You know, that also, like, you know, that includes platforming and role-playing and stuff like that, um, and racing. Uh, like, um, Mario's, I mean, Bowser's Inside Story, um, that had RPG, that's an RPG, but then there's a vertical shooter section in it that you and Luigi are playing. There's, um, like, some sports stuff that is in in that game. So I think like just mixing two genres to make a game, I think a lot of that has I agree with you has been done. Um and I don't think there's anywhere else to go because I'm like you can't put a stem style game with like beat 'em up cuz uh it's probably a game already like that. And everything, mm-hmm. you know, um, like um, Act Razor, um, that makes two D side scrolling with sim building and stuff, uh, and everything. So, I, I I don't think there's a lot of genres that you could actually mash up um, that hasn't well, I been mean, done. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's a lot you could do with like a grid based system. I know RPG is kind of like the the go to, right? But I also think mm-hmm. it would be really interesting. And I I would argue that maybe Captain Toad did this to an extent, but like a square grid based platformer. Um, but you would have to stay within the grids instead of wandering like in Captain Toad. But I think that would be really interesting. Um. Uh, just based on like a timing type thing. Uh, man, I don't know, man. There's a lot. I I wonder if the gameplay of like Mega Man, um, could be used like Mega Man and Fortnite put together. Like you defeat a opponent. Uh, like you like they got something, but you find something that could be their actual weakness to what they're using. And you use that weakness to defeat your opponent, and then you could gain whatever they have, uh, and maybe mix and match and stuff, or create yeah. some alchemy or something like that. Yeah, I don't know, man. There's there's a lot you could do. I mean, I think I think the life sim, like, but even that's been done. If you look at stuff like. Like the life sim RPG, like I know Harvestella just tried to do that, but I mean you can go all the way mm-hmm. back to like Dark Cloud to to do stuff like that. Yeah, the life sim RPG kind of. Hey, we got to go on this. Qu- I mean, Disney Dreamlight Valley. I know people are tired of hearing me talk about it, but they do that really well. Like a quest based uh, life sim, uh, which <laughs> their new their new Star Path starts on the twenty fourth. So I'm very <laughs> excited. Uh, which I mean is already going on. I don't know what it is, but probably some sort of Valentine's Day Easter thing, which is exactly Mm -hmm. what it was at this point last year. But um, I don't know, man. They they do that really well. Uh, So, yeah, man, I don't know what you could do. I think it's I, I think I think it I think it's easier to take games from other genres like like, for example, I think it'd be really interesting to make a swap uh, Fire Emblem and Xenoblade. I would it would be really interesting to swap those genres, right? Of mm-hmm. like, oh, now Xenoblade is a squad based tactics RPG, and 
Xenoblade is now a, either an action RPG or a JRPG or some mix of both, right? I think that would be more interesting. It, uh, Fire Emblem would have to have like auto attack oh, and you choose different uh, moves and stuff. I um, I also think it would be interesting to apply genres to different franchises. Like my big thing is I still think a, uh, a Souls-like Zelda game where you play as Ganondorf would be amazing. Mm-hmm. I still think that would be incredible. Uh, the rise, like the rise of Ganon, and do that as a Souls style game. Get maybe not from software to do it, but you could get someone that does that very easily. Like go to go to uh, uh, what are the 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 studio that did Liza P could easily do it. Um, I don't know. Maybe you get from software to do it. I, I mean, they'll they probably do an exclusive game at this point, but uh, with that. Nintendo, they'll probably do like Bandai Namco or Koei Tecmo. Since Koei Tecmo did, uh, yeah, you could do Koei Tecmo game. because of because uh, of Neo and uh, yeah, I think Rise of the Ronin is theirs too, right? Um, Kovain so it's mostly... and uh, what was that one? The the other one. Nexus, what was it called? Scarlet Nexus. Scarlet Nexus, yeah. You know, uh, not Josh is playing that game, but you could do that. Yeah, Josh Martinez is playing Scarlet Nexus. I know. I've been looking at that, dude. I have so many games on my backlog right now that I'm just like, oh my gosh, I need to, I need to play some video games in like the next mm-hmm. two weeks for me. That's why we're recording these two episodes now because, I mean. It's Sunday. I'm recording two episodes tonight. I'm recording two things tomorrow. I'm recording. We're recording Power Block with Andre on Wednesday. On Tuesday, on Wednesday is uh, Boss Rush and After Dark. Thursday, uh, thank God Josh already has someone to talk to Tower Casuals on because we're record. I I need to take that episode of that off to do the uh, Bossies thing, and then Friday. Is book club, <laughs> uh, which busy, busy, busy. I don't know how I'm going to finish Super Mario RPGs in between there and now. <laughs> uh, a lot of late nights, I guess, going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but yeah, I we, man, it's going to be such a busy two weeks. And then on top of the, like recording stuff, we're moving, <laughs> we're packing for vacation, we're packing to move. Uh, work is getting busy. Like, you know, that we have like something like f- five events in seven weeks that we need to uh, do. And so it's going to be all online. No, it's, I mean, they're in person. So it's going to be one of those things. And it's just, oh. it's going to be busy, man. It's busy. Uh, that normally happens. That normally and happens. Also, and also, like, I have to, I have to somehow you know come up with some money for for packs to you know get there and eat uh so that'll be fine it'll it's all good you know it's good yes if you want to see how you can become a patreon producer head on over to patreon.com slash boss rush network the patreon producers for this month are adriel munger celeste roberts christian s sana dirig Francisco Santillan, and Todd Oxtra. Thanks for your continued support of the Boss Rush Network and our family of podcasts. Well, let's uh, move on to the next question. Uh, this is uh, from Daniel Rue Pervia. Uh, Pervia. Uh, he asks, as a gamer fascinated by retro stuff, especially Game Boy, I have noticed that more and more developers are making new stuff for old consoles. Some ports even make headlines here at Nintendo Life. Now, with that being probably a researcher of old consoles, in a very punk rock way, would there ever be space for reviews of these new games in here? And if so, could that lead to even more people making new stuff for old consoles? Um... So, he kind of speaking of homebrew games and everything. He's, um, he's not. There are P- Kickstarters that people are making stuff for old consoles. They're releasing. I saw like a lot of Genesis is really popular to release old games on. Yeah. 
Game Boy Color has gotten quite a few games. But granted, these are like novelty type things, and they end up releasing those games digitally on, you know, stuff like Switch and PlayStation and Xbox, right? But like the novelty is, oh, I'm getting a new Game Boy Color game because I like Game Boy Color. And a lot of people are playing those on the analog pocket, right? Or the analog pocket color. And by the way, if I had $300 to throw away, the analog pocket is an incredible looking machine. Like, yes. Oh, man. It reminds me so it reminds me of a modern Game Boy Pocket. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, Game Boy Pocket was the best. But anyways, yeah. like that, that's the novelty of that. Uh, something just got announced for Game Boy Advance, actually, a new Game Boy Advance game. Yeah. And, and what people got to realize is that these games are not like definitely when it comes to Nintendo, they're not the seal of approval with Nintendo. Like they don't have a license with Nintendo to actually put those games on the system. But because those systems are old, um, you know, it depends if they're going to, uh, not Nintendo stopping the sale or nothing or a thing, but it depends on like how many copies they're going to make and put out because they got to, uh, fund those cartridges to even have that game on there to put it put it on the system. So and well those and, systems are probably pretty open at this point. Um I don't know. I, I don't think Nintendo cares about the cartridges. They probably have this is probably overstock from providers, right? Yeah. And so you know, I think I think those cartridges are readily available and they just have to port them to that. Um. So, I don't know. So yeah, I mean, it's it's been a thing for decades, actually. You know, uh, Nintendo had a lot of them. Um, like you mentioned, Corey's the Genesis had a lot of them. Um, the thing about it is that there is for CD based um systems. There's none of that. Like, I haven't seen any kind of developer, independent developer, make a game and put it, like, on the GameCube, like, years later. Yeah, but but I also think the security on some of those consoles, like, I think also GameCube was, like, notorious. Like, most Nintendo consoles was notorious for being extremely difficult to develop for. So, you know. I understand that, but I also think uh, handhelds are more appealing and easier to develop for, I think. Uh, so I don't know. And, don't and, know. You see, and you'll see the cost of it being close to 70 to $100 because they got to make money, like they got to recoup money off of this, putting them on those old cartridges and things like there i think there's a role-playing game that was coming to the sega genesis that mug was like 80 bucks and stuff even though there was some genesis i think fancy star was like 70 bucks um fancy star 4 i think that was like a lot of money and stuff uh-huh. So, and then they got to realize that they have to develop for that system like the stuff the retro style looking stuff that we play on switch now can't be done on a Super Nintendo or a Game Boy Advance. Like Shovel Knight, that there's no way that could be done on the Super Nintendo. There, there's a lot of stuff that they have to reduce uh, on that yeah. even, or they'll have to even well, just uh, design that game, uh, you know, from the bottom up uh, yeah, to I even think, get it to run. Yeah, I think when you're looking at something like Shovel Knight, though, and especially that era of games that and stuff like Axiom Verge and mm-hmm. Hyperlight Drifter and a lot of these game maker games like they were made to they were made for the nostalgic factor of these look like those games but there's no way those games could run on that hardware right i would i would i think that would be really fascinating though if they took which is kind of what Mina the Hollower is doing from Yacht Club mm-hmm. Right. They are actually working within the constraints of the Game Boy Color uh, to develop that, which I think is really fascinating. Um, 
And so that's something we might be able to revisit this year of like they back, you know, they kind of like reverse. I don't know, developed, I guess, because they have those constraints in place. Reverse developed is the wrong term, but I know what I'm saying. I don't know (laughs) how to say it. So other people know what I'm saying, but I think it would be really fascinating to take something like Shovel Knight and almost reverse engineer it to say, hey, why wouldn't this run on the NES and then make an NES version of Shovel Knight? Like Shovel Knight 8. And call it, just call it like Shovel Knight 8 or something. Yeah, I think or that's Shovel why... Or Shovel Knight 8-bit or, you know, like it would be like it would be the prequel Demastered. to Shovel Knight and have it like tell us the story of, of Shovel Knight and Shield Knight, right? Like that would be mm-hmm. really awesome. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because there's like Halo got a demaster uh, as an indie game, like, and they turned well, it into Halo a 2D was game. on the DS. Remember when Halo was on the DS? IGN had playable that. versions of Halo on DS. I don't remember that. Yeah, man, that was a real thing. Look it up. Look, look it up right now. Seriously. Halo DS on YouTube. There there are builds out there. You could probably actually find a playable build for your DS for that. Uh, Who was making it? Uh, Bungie was making it. It was it was a real thing. IGN had playable builds of it. Hello DS was a proposed Halo game that would have been released on the Nintendo DS. The game was rumored throughout 2007. There's a, there's a literal literal video on IGN for it. I'll send it to you. After whatever the heck this is. Oh, that's surprising. Um, but I thought Microsoft owned it, owned it. Halo. They did. Surprising they would put it on the DS. This is for on IGN from twelve years ago. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know who this guy is in the video. But (coughs) they're playing it on a DS Lite. Hmm. That's yeah, it's like this weird, like almost like uh, it's almost like it's it's almost like what Metroid Prime Hunters ended up being. Uh huh. So go to like the go to like the one minute mark in the video. Yeah, I see it because he's touching it with the touch screen. At yeah, the it's crazy. It's so nuts. It's a bestie. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's a real thing. So uh, it looks like I, it's something I would not want to play, but. Mm-hmm. The know. DS was the <laughs> experimental system. Oh, my gosh. From the man. new ideas. You, you gotta, the DS Lite, though, master system, master class of a system. Oh, not yes. the master system, but a master system. <laughs> Well, uh, so. let's see. Uh. But Ed, let's let's visit that question though, real quick. Of uh, I want to go back to the genre question, okay? Real quick, of like, what of Nintendo's franchises would you like <laughs> to see in a different genre? Right? I mean, Mario has obviously been done to, to different genres to death, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's just. You know, but uh, I think hmm, I think I would like to see probably I kind of would like to see like Nintendo get back into a real life sports team. So, like, Ken Griffey Jr., like, they did that. Like, I would love to see if Nintendo still was working with Ken Griffey Jr. or Hmm. the MLB nowadays, 
what could they what would they produce you know and uh mixing that up how do they make it arcane in a sense like is it every time you play or you go over a friend's house there's stats come up so it is it is part arcade part sim game part sports ball um and everything and like when you go on you could you know go online and play with other folks and you know it'll give you gear which you could use in uh Wii sports or something like that or nintendo sports and stuff like i would love to see that kind of crossover or that kind of genre uh, mashup and stuff um yeah. Because like, because like Fire Emblem, to me it's gonna be like okay, Fire Emblem two D beat 'em up, like by Treasure or something like that. Uh, Star Fox is pretty much Space Harrier, but I'm like, what if you know Star Fox was kind of like a game done like um, uh, a quick time event and everything. Like you fly and do these set levels, but you have to press these buttons at the right time, and it's done like a QTE in our thing. And the more mistakes you make, uh, the more that the like the ending would likely change. So you want the best ending, you got to get like you got to get perfects, uh, all through the game Mm. and stuff, uh. I think Zelda being a walking sim, but you playing that Zelda and you're finding out the, you know, story of your mother and everything. Uh, and how uh, she was, you know, why the Triforce chose her. And before whatever happened to her, it got passed down to their daughter and stuff like I, I would love to see that you know um and the castle that you're in has puzzles to it and everything and you as zelda gotta figure it out so i can see like zelda as a walking sim uh in that sense um yeah. metroid actually being like a uh space nor uh detective game and everything where she actually does land on a planet uh don't want to say like dead space or anything like that uh but she lands on uh, a planet and it has so much history to her i mean so much history about the choso and all she does is like you know explore and solve riddles that the Chozo never got to solve and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you use those clues um, to help solve other cases in it. It's a, and you, not so much as a walking sim, but you use those clues uh, to help you, um, you know, progress through the game and your prog- and those clues, like when you saw the puzzle, it helps, it gives you power to help you solve other clues and everything. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds neat. Uh, she Pokemon about done it all. Sorry, I'm just uh, pumping up on some energy here. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I don't know what I would do with Kirby though, because Kirby has been in the pinball game, he's been in a racing game, uh, he has his 3D platformers and 2D platformers. Yeah, uh, I, you know what? I think I, if I was a Kirby gay, I would do like, uh, kind of like a mat. You know how uh, uh, you got to do match it. You got to match the two pictures and stuff. Or do a Where's Wildo, like a Where's Kirby kind of game. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I would do something like that and everything. And do you think you could find Kirby just using a pink one? But no, you can't. If I was actually Scribble Knots and Kirby together. Jeez. 
That would be interesting, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, uh, let's see. Because Nintendo did have like a cooking game for DS. We use able to do. Not cooking mama. It uh, you were actually able to have recipes, and you know you could go to the grocery store and get the items for that and click it off and stuff. Um, I think that would that would kind of be something. You a cooking game where you're feeding the Nintendo characters in the universe. So something like oh maybe something like Overcook for the Nintendo characters. Like, you are the shelf. You and your teammates are, you know, doing orders for Mario, Zelda, Ganon, uh, Samus, uh, the Metroids, or the Space Pirates, Mother Brain, um, uh, whoever, Captain Falcon. Like, you are literally making food for them in an overcooked style mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sure. Uh, um, man, shoot, punch out in punch out in uh in the we fit kind of thing uh or something or uh, yeah. I mean, they've kind of already done that with fitness, uh, fitness tr- uh, boxing, boxing or whatever, right? Yeah. I mean, that they missed the mark with that by not having a punch out exercise routine or something but um i don't know man i think uh i think man so i think star like i think star fox is worth revisiting right Mm -hmm. we kind of talked about that a little bit of like having that more openness and kind of get out of your ship and explore type thing i think it would be really interesting to have the old school ship elements, but like more of what maybe almost no man's sky ish, but more what Ubisoft did with Starlink and like, which mm-hmm. obviously was a Star Fox game on the switch for a lot of people. Um, but also what they're doing with star Wars outlaws of like having these, big open worlds that you can go explore and take on quests and, you know, either fight, you know, they could have different types of quests, like obviously combat quests or puzzle quests, like a Zelda dungeon style thing, or, so something you know, better than and, then as you, adventure. and as you travel to each planet, like, you know, maybe there's aerial combat involved in some of these open spaces, but also like traversing from planet to planet, like you could make that your old school star Fox style things, or I don't know, have the, what's the big ship called the great Fox or whatever, like be your base of operations where you upgrade your ships or your weapons or your com like your, your armor sets or whatever. Right. So, I mean, our Metroid Hell Divers, I definitely would love to see. Yeah, that would be interesting too. Um, let's see. I think. I think. I mean, I know Xenoblade is more of a light action JRPG, but mm-hmm. more of like a. It's more turn based than I think people give it credit for because it. Uh, I think it would be really cool if you took that and made like an, a full on action RPG the way that something like, I don't know, I would say, I don't want to say Kingdom Hearts, but something more along the lines of like, um, something like that, I guess, uh, and, and have it more character, like maybe you're one character in this universe that matters but you're on your own quest right and maybe you meet Mm -hmm. you know that ties some of the stories together and whatever i don't know that series is something that i'm going to play through this year i've made it a point to down at least i re-downloaded the first one Uh, i started it and liked it and then i just got sucked into other things last year because obviously last year was a big year in video games uh 
would you do like a Luigi's Mansion meets Power Wash simulator kind of no. thing? No. No. Um let's see. I mean I'm Capcom did other... make it as an arcade game, so I'm trying to think of other genres that I I I mean I would like a Kid Icarus style Breath of the Wild style game, right? Mm-hmm. but we've talked about that before too, of like make it more vertical, I guess, and like Right. Well, I guess Tears of the Kingdom would be that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for the vertical, the verticality, right? But I would really like something like that. We've already talked about the Zelda Souls-like game to death. Um, <laughs> remember when Donkey Kong was attached to bongos for a long time? That was fun. Oh yeah. I told. Did I tell you on Facebook Marketplace I saw somebody selling? Uh. Donkey Kong, Donkey Konga, Donkey Konga 2, and Donkey Kong's Jungle Beat, and two sets of bongos for like 30 bucks. Yeah. And it, if it if it wasn't an hour and a half away, I would have gone to go get it. Like, it was... <laughs> that's incredible. Those games, know, were, my... those games were interesting. Donkey Kong's Jungle Beat was actually really interesting, right? Because they made a full-on Donkey Kong platformer out of that, and you had to use the bongos. And one bongo was like one bongo was attack and one was jump. And then there was like a mechanic to move. Right. So, yeah, uh, I know Mario had the dance Dance revolution treatment. Uh, yeah, that was worth a ton of money for a long time until it wasn't, <laughs> which is funny. Did I did. I have we ever talked about when I played that game? No. Yeah, I used to have it and I well, I bought it as a part of a collection that I no longer, <laughs> no longer have. Uh, but it's not, it's not a dancing game. It's a Mario. Most of it is a Mario platformer. Some of it is dancing, but most of it is a Mario platformer. That's Which weird. Is, yeah. Cause and it like, had like the arrows is stuff. Yeah, that well, you, you have need. to do the arrows, but it's not to the music. It's to make, it's like to accurately do the stuff in the game. So that game was really weird. Some there is some dancing and there's some like DDR recognizable DDR stuff in there, but a lot of it was just like a platforming game. Didn't Nintendo have like a Monopoly game also? I think for like Wii. Uh it was that Dragon Quest money something game. Like it was the Mario versus Dragon Quest weird board game thing. Yeah. I forget but what they it was had called. another one. It had it had Mario and a and a Dragon Quest slime on it, <laughs> on it. Because because uh, one of them was just like teaching you about like business and stocks and stuff like that. I think that was the Dragon Quest slime one. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it that was, was a just like a game rated for E. It was like a game rated for E. I was just like. This is a game with economics in it. A kid's not going to know well, anything you about know, this. You know every child is ready to learn about stocks, bonds, and economics. Ugh. Just like me. Just <laughs> but yet they're getting a, but don't know how to play the Lego games because they might well, strategy well, guy. Yeah, well, you know. Oh, uh, what's next, Ed? We probably got time for one more on this episode. <laughs> Yes. So, uh, I was looking at, uh, once again, at Nintendo Life uh, and everything, and I was, there There was a story uh, that came out, uh, look at this, I'm trying to find it, everybody, uh, about, uh, Goodness, where is that story? It might have been from last week. Uh, and everything. Uh, that, uh, what was it? What game was it? It was, uh, uh sorry, everybody. Um, I'm looking for it because they were just like, one of the games they, they didn't, they were just like, maybe we could stop the comparisons. Of it, um. Oh yeah, it was um uh, Foam Stars, 
and uh, sorry about that, everybody. Uh, it was about four stars, and I think the producer or director was waiting for waiting for that game game to come out so that people could see it's not a Splatoon ripoff or and stuff like that. Uh, and I, I I kind of was just wondering, Corey, because um, now like a lot of people are very interested. Kind of in four stars. Definitely it's going to be free on PlayStation Plus uh, for people to try out or, you know, people to play. But do you think that in the future for games, there's going to be more developers being inspired by Nintendo games? Uh, you know, we got Power World, which pretty much... Um, Takes inspiration for Pokemon, and now everybody jumping on. Hey, Game Freak, you could you can make a Pokemon game, um, and it could be better and stuff, uh, you know, or a good Pokemon game and everything. But do you think in the future that this is going to continue to happen? That Nintendo games are going to ex- inspire others create something in that genre uh, with their own take on it. I mean, I think a lot of people are still inspired by Nintendo games a lot of the time. You know, I mean, you see, a, I mean, every single RPG or open world, you know, what they call Western role playing games at this point, mm-hmm. right, is inspired by The Legend of Zelda. Everything, uh, you know, the NES version or, you know, every platformer is like, well, I pl- grew up playing Mario as a kid, you know, and it's like very clearly inspired by something like Mario 64 or Super Mario World or even something like Mario 3, right? I mean, remember when uh, A Hat in Time skipped the Switch release because they were like, we don't want to be compared to Mario, which is something that we are very clearly inspired by, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and they wanted to, like, not uh, be compared to it. And so... You look at something like that, and then, you know, obviously, since we live in an era now where people grew up on, like, PlayStation, you know, that era, or PlayStation 2 and Xbox and GameCube or something, and and they make platforms that are inspired by stuff like uh, Crash Bandicoot or Spyro, maybe not Crash so much, but, you know, Spyro or Ratchet or Jack or you know, stuff like that. And it's, it's one of those things that's like people are inspired by a lot of things. I am a little surprised that there aren't more games that are, have been inspired by Splatoon though, considering it's kind of like kids first shooter. And you would think that, Mm -hmm. you know, someone like it, you know, I mean, obviously PlayStation is jumping in with foam stars on this, right. But I mean, square Enix, but Sony is paying for that exclusivity. Um, would want in on stuff like this. I'm kind of shocked the king of shooters, Microsoft, isn't in on this. Uh, with all their shooter studios, um, you know, especially with something like Conquer or something. Maybe, well, maybe that's not kid friendly, but you know what I mean. Like, cartoonishly, you know, slapstick, happy, fun stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. That's not all about killing. It's more territory control and more um, strategic than that, right? It's uh, I'm kind of shocked that that hasn't happened. But overall, I think a lot of studio. I mean, look, every other day we're getting a five more Metroidvania style games, right? Yeah. So uh, that would be my thing. <laughs> is that, yeah, people are totally inspired by Nintendo all the time. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think Nintendo has been an inspiration for a lot of people. I mean, Shovel Knight is the clear example of, like, they were inspired by Nintendo and wanted to make a Nintendo game on Nintendo's worst-selling piece of hardware. So, you know, it's in people's blood if they are inspired by Nintendo, want to make Nintendo games or Nintendo inspired games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Do you think developers get frustrated because of that kind of comparison? Because uh, they feel like, like, 
to the developers' eyes, they feel like they're creating something original. But to the gamer or journalist's eyes, they see comparisons or similarities that they bring into the conversation uh, to inform readers or their friends an uh, idea of what this game may be when it's completed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think uh, even you go so far as like, I think stuff even, I mean, you could even look at first console first person shooters and like, yeah, you can definitely point at Halo and like the, it clearly went this direction. But there's also that subsect of shooters that went the golden eye perfect dark direction. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's what Free Radical was built on, you know, a bunch of ex rare devs who went off to make time splitters and, uh, you know, perfect dark zero ended up at, on Xbox 360. And that type of shooter still exists out there. Is it as popular as something like Halo or Call of Duty became? No, but it's still there. Yeah. yeah. So I think like Nintendo in general, I think they're the only company that inspires others to make games um, with that feel or even create hardware. You know, like, of course, we use Switch for, like, the Steam Deck, but then um, we look at the Wii and how Connect and PlayStation Move came about, um, which was to even take the handhelds for Nintendo and how Sony got in with the PSP and Vita and the Microsoft, you know, how they try to use smart glass um, mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh and connect it's it's just really interesting to see that at a point that nintendo uh whether you feel people feel like they were successful or not um their stuff still continue to inspire like um even with labo you know there was other companies trying to do something like that and everything, uh, but not too much success. And even though Nintendo had their success with Labo, uh, it didn't. It didn't continue to go on like like they Nintendo probably was hoping to uh, and stuff. You know, even with Amiibo, uh, that one is still going after everybody did the Toys for Life stuff. You know, for Spyro. Uh, you know, and then they just see how much. Uh, money that people were losing on that, but yet Nintendo was still put this is still putting out Amiibo thanks to Smash and other games and mm. other uses of those. Yeah, and man, they, Amiibo. I wish Amiibo weren't so hard to find, you know. Like, mm-hmm. I'm still missing the Xenoblade 2's Amiibo, um, which I really would like to have. Um, I don't know. I have just been... I, there are Amiibo that I have that I wish I didn't have, and there are Amiibo that I don't have that I wish I had. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I wish there were more... Uh, I wish there were, were... I don't wish there were more Amiibo. I wish the Amiibo that you wanted were easier to find, if that makes sense. Yes. And I understand that that's like an inventory cost management thing for Nintendo. And not everybody wants Amiibo, but a lot of people do want Amiibo. <laughs> and um, the scalping market knows that, although that I think that that's gotten better. And I think the Toys to Life thing is obviously, you know, dead in the water. Um, but that doesn't prevent Nintendo from still putting out Amiibo, right? So, right. Like I, I have Shulk and then I have uh, Noah and Mio coming, but I'm myth- missing the Pyra and Mithra ones. And that makes me upset. Also, they never made a Rex one, which is also upsetting. True. Just... Yeah. <laughs> but I remember people said they were like, I'm not getting the uh uh the girl from We Fit, uh the We Fit girl, and then that was like the first thing yeah. that you couldn't find that was sold out like everywhere. 
Yeah. No player no player to uh, Byleth, though. No female Byleth, which is upsetting. But they did make that really awesome first four figures statue. That's like mm-hmm. 200 bucks of Byleth, and that statue is awesome. Um, maybe I'll get a, another another job to pay for these things. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't want another job. I'm good. I'm good. I like my current job and doing this. Uh, maybe someday if we get this. but I, I always wonder what Sony and Microsoft have enough characters to do something like Amiibo. Uh, I mean, I think they both clearly do. Um, It's just, do people care? Right? I mean, PlayStation tried to do those non-Amiibo figures, you know, like the Mm three-inch tall ones that were like this. They started with a T. I forget what they were called. They did, like, the Bloodborne Hunter, and they did Kratos and Crash, and I think Cloud was part of that at some point. Like, they've definitely done them, but I'm not 100% sure on you know, what is really, you know, what their incentive to do it is. Because if Nintendo can't make Amiibo work, which they are, but also they aren't (laughs) now, like what would be the incentive of Sony and Microsoft to do it? You know, I mean, I think Microsoft has the least incentive to do it because they hardly have any uh, games right now to do that with and and meaningful characters what are you going to put 75 different styles of spartans out there and you know (laughs) delta team from gears i don't think so you know and then there are other games the other games they promote you create your own character so i don't know you know it'd be like if if bioware and this is a terrible example because they actually did do this but it would be if like bioware put out you know, generic Commander Shepard, and everybody was just like, oh, Shepard, not my Shepard, uh, which they did, but they put out two versions. Um, they also put out Liara and Garrus and, you know, yeah. Rex. See, and... they, I think Garrus would be the one that would sell out. They all sold he... out. I wanted the Liara one, but it sold out almost instantly. Oh, okay. I mean, like if they of Bioware partner with Nintendo and like Garrus was like in a Smash Brothers and that was getting the Amiibo, like yeah. I think the pre orders would have went crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's uh, you know, I I think I think Amiibo are great. I wish there were more ways to get the ones you wanted. And I also wish there was, uh, <laughs> I don't know, less of them, I guess. It was a cool idea at first, though, right? Let's release all the Smash mm-hmm. ones. But that series started on the, the when Wii U Smash came out. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, what is going on now? Like, how are you supposed to do that? You know? I think because of a lot of their games, um, you know, they were just like, that with that universe, just the Nintendo universe of games, a lot of those characters could get the amiibo, uh, the amiibo kind of thing, uh, version, um, or a character, and they could do something with it to help players. Um, yeah, you know, so. Yeah. But I think we're gonna call it a uh, episode of Nintendo Pop Lock right there, Corey. I thought, Great, that was a good one. So, it was all right. <laughs> any final thoughts or anything? No, not really. Just uh, hope everybody's enjoying their week. Um, I am because I'll be on vacation, so you know, hope everybody's enjoying their time. Yeah, I don't know what I'll probably be doing. Probably be playing games and working. Uh, I know uh, I'm planning out my Hellblade playthrough uh, in uh, in March and stuff. And then I'm going to try to finish up a lot of Nintendo games and everything. Uh, I'm super excited for Princess Peach. So hopefully when that drops, uh, I can play it. Uh, I, my 
uh, at this time, everybody, I will have my another code um, collection. Um, I ordered it for Best Buy, and uh, the store doesn't have it for you to go in and buy. You, if you order it, um, they have to mail it to you. So uh, my order got delayed, so now I have to I have to wait till um, the twenty seventh, and if I don't get it by then, um, they're gonna cancel it and refund my money, and then I just mm-hmm. have to try to go somewhere uh, and play. Because right now, uh, it may be at an eighty or a seventy. I haven't checked Metacritic at the time, but I'm like they said it was good and everything. Um, so, uh, I'm excited to see. I'm excited to play it. I did start up uh, Prince of Pressure on Switch. It looks good. It plays fine. It's not bad. Yeah. So I would really like to uh, play some Prince of Persia soon. Yeah. It's, in, it's on my. It's on my list. So, you know. Just well, like everybody. Nine hundred other games. <laughs> exactly. Everybody, have a great week. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you next time on Nintendo Power Block. Bye, everybody. Woohoo! Bye. If you want to see how you can become a Patreon producer, head on over to patreon.com slash boss rush network. The Patreon producers for this month are Adriel Munger, Celeste Roberts, Christian S., Sana Dirick, Francisco Santilan and Todd Oxtra. Thanks for your continued support of the Boss Rush Network and our family of podcasts.